0: Hello again, this is Pastor Derek and I just wanted to jump in real quick before we get started on this week's installment of the Graceway Sermon Cast and give you as a listener kind of an update about what's going on in our season of transition in our ministry. Back in January, at the beginning of this year, uh, we decided as a church to begin joining in fellowship and holding uh, collaborative worship services with another church in our area, a church by the name of Living Hope Fellowship, where Chris Reber is the pastor. Uh, We have decided to do that through a season of transition within our ministry as we seek God's guidance for us in the next steps. And so over the course of that season, you're going to be hearing at times, Pastor Chris Reber will be bringing the message on our sermon cast, and then at other times you'll hear my voice along with some other guest speakers as well. Uh, So just wanted to let you know as a listener kind of what's going on, and so if you hear a different voice as you tune in, that's kind of what's going on. So I'm going to jump off of here and we'll get started with the message.
1: So this morning, like I said, I want to look at uh, Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4, and I want to kind of begin with an opening truth that we talked about with the kids, that we, even though we're adults, right, every kid, every adult needs to understand this, and this is the truth is, is that every person, every person on planet Earth, God has a plan for every single person, right? God doesn't make accidents. God doesn't ever look down and say, oh man, I didn't see that one coming, Right? God never says oops. He always has a plan. And he is the creator. He formed each one of us. He has a plan and a design for each one of us as well. And, 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 and that's amazing. So what I want you to do is look at, your, look at your neighbor, the person sitting next to you, and say, I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it's going to happen. But somehow God's got a plan for you, right? It, God has a plan for every one of us, okay? And here's the continuation of that truth is that peace contentment, fulfillment in life, and joy that that passes all understanding, it rests on learning and on living that plan that God has for us. A lot of people have been trying to answer the same question for a long time. I mean, since before any of us have been around, and they try to answer this question, what is the purpose of life? What am I here for? Well, you don't have to go very far in this book to realize that we're here because God designed us, God created us, he wants us here, and he created us with the purpose to glorify him. That, that's our purpose. That's his plan for us. And all through scripture, what we see is God working his plan. God working his plan. And the beautiful thing is he uses us, broken and fallen humanity, to work that plan out. It's amazing that God, perfect and holy as he is, would redeem us and use us to work that plan, broken and unholy as we are. But that's the grace of God. And that's, that's the beauty of being called into this relationship with him as well so and we're going to look at one of those plans today we saw a little bit of the plans in Jeremiah this morning with the kids but today I want to kind of turn our attention to the plan that God had for Moses's life and Moses's reaction to God's plan because I don't know about you but sometimes when God speaks and when God begins to let you in on his plan it gets a little scary sometimes right you you look at it and you think God I, I don't I don't know if I understand the way you're leading right now and then what happens? We begin to get excuses. We begin to be filled with a lot of like, anxiety and angst and thinking, no, this, you've got to be talking to the wrong person here, right? That's exactly how Moses felt. And so that's what I w- want to look at this morning. But before we get into the text, let me kind of give you just a little bit of a, a set the stage for where we're going here. Moses, we, most of us know the story, but in case you don't, Moses was a Hebrew who was born in the time when Egypt was in control uh, of basically the whole world. They were the world power at this time, and all of Israel had been taken into slavery. They'd been held captive and in bondage there in Egypt. The pyramids that we see right now in our history books and on Google Earth and all that type of stuff, we believe that they were actually built by the Israelites way back in those days. There's some of them that we still see relics. There's evidence that points to they were built by Israel by israelites hands i mean that it's just amazing to think how god has woven all of this into history And we can still thousands of years later look and see the evidence of this but so moses is born at the time when israel is under a lot of oppression and it's at a time when Pharaoh is scared to death because God continues, no matter how much they're oppressed, God continues to bless his people and they continue to just, just, just multiply and multiply and Pharaoh is doing the numbers and he's like, man, they're going to outnumber us pretty soon. So Pharaoh does the only thing that any homicidal maniac could ever do. He says, let's take all the babies and let's throw them into the Nile River, all the Israelite babies and throw them into the Nile River, effectively wiping out an entire generation of people. One woman, God moves on the heart of one woman named Jochebed, who after she has her baby, she feels impressed upon her heart. Okay, I'll put him in the Nile, but I'm going to put him in a little basket. And I'm going to hide him in the reeds, and I'm going to put his older sister down there to keep watch over him. And when that happens, Pharaoh's daughter, the most powerful woman probably in the entire kingdom of, of Egypt, comes down to go swimming. We'll say we're swimming because kids are here. She goes down swimming. And as she's swimming, she swims over close to the reeds and she hears a baby crying and she goes and she sees this baby and she pulls him out and she says, I will call him Moses for I drew him out of the water Because I, and she says, I'm going to raise him as my own. So a Hebrew slave boy gets adopted into the royal family of Egypt. Tell me God doesn't have a plan and God doesn't know what he's doing, right? And so he grows up, and he's raised as a prince of Egypt, but then he begins to find out about his heritage. And if you know the story, he just really becomes open to the idea that his people are being oppressed, and it's, there's something different. He begins to notice the injustices that are going on against his people. And one day, his anger just overtakes him. And he walks out, and he sees a Roman guard that is abusing and oppressing and, and hurting and beating one of his countrymen. And out of anger... He, he just acts impetuously and he kills that Roman guard and he goes to bury him in the sand. Now, I'm not skilled at killing anyone, but I don't think if I'm going to get rid of the evidence, I'm going to go bury him in sand. And he's thinking, nobody saw me, so I'm going to bury him in sand and pretend like nothing happened. The next day he comes back and he finds out that a couple of guys saw what happened and they're probably going to tell. So at that moment, because of indiscretion, and because he couldn't control his anger and he couldn't trust God's plan, he ends up having to go on the run. And so he goes from prince to fugitive. He goes from living in the palace to living in the desert, and he becomes a herdsman living in Midian. And that's where we pick up our story this morning. So if you would look with me in Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1, and I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, it says this, Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Oreb, the mountain of God. Later on, we'll see Oreb called Sinai as well. But if you see Sinai and Oreb, it's the same mountain. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame, a fire within a bush. And as Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. So Moses thought, like any other guy would think, "I got to go find out what's going on over there." He goes, "I got to go look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up?" And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, "Moses, Moses, Moses!" Gives a response that each one of us should give when God calls. "Here I am," he answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he continued, I am the Lord God of your father, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And then Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I've observed the misery of my people in Egypt, and I've heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings, and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. To bring them from a land to a, bring them from that land to a good and spacious land that flows with milk and honey. Note this and underline this. This isn't, this isn't the key of the message this morning, but notice this. When God says, I have seen the suffering of my people, I have heard the cries of my people, that is not an attention that has just gone away. He still has that same kind of attention on his people today. You may think you're alone, you may think you're, you're suffering in silence, but you are never suffering outside the knowledge of God. And he says, I'm going to bring you out of this place. And let's pick up in verse number, uh, verse number 10. He says, therefore go, I am sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh, so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, what does he say? Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God answered, I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign of you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. This is the word of Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to just open up your word, to hear from you today. And I pray this morning that you would speak today. I pray that as, 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 as your messenger, Lord, that I would hide behind the cross and that you would hinder me from saying anything that you don't want said. Lord, help us to hear you. Help us to, uh, to apply this truth to our lives in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Here we see this this, this this massive story, this massive plan that's taking place in Moses' life, right? And I want to repeat that truth again, right? God has a plan for each and every person. Every single person, God has a plan for us, right? And then we see God's plan really playing out in Moses' life. I mean, here's a guy who from the moment that he was born, God has been influencing, he's been planning it. He's been marking his life. He's been protecting him all the way through his life. And now we see him coming to this like, this like climactic moment in the story where Moses has to make a choice. Am I going to go with God or am I going to stay home and do the safe thing? And in our text, we see that God taps Moses. He says, God, Moses says, or God says, Moses, I'm going to send you into Egypt. Okay, now, now think about this. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of, Mo- well, not in the shoes because they're off right now at this point, right? Because it's holy ground. Let's put ourselves in the bare feet of Moses standing at this burning bush. You got this burning bush talking to you, and he says it's God. And you got to believe it because it's it's burning and it's not not burning up. So it's like, okay, only God could do that. And God is now saying, Moses, I know you're a fugitive. I know you probably wanted posters up all over the place in Cairo. And Alexandria and all those places. I know that you're wanted, but I'm going to send you back. And not only do I want you to go back, I want you to walk straight up to Pharaoh's throne, the, the, the most powerful man in the world, and, I say, and say, I want you to just surrender your entire workforce and your economic stability at this moment. And why? Uh, because God said so. So Moses is probably a little scared. Like, like I, I, if I'm Moses, I'm thinking, God, I'm honored, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to pass. Right I'm I'm going to pass on that That's a, that's a tall order to go in and and, and do that but Here's the thing, you you or I may not be called to take out a Pharaoh or to lead uh, lead an entire nation out of somewhere, but we do have a call on our lives. God doesn't save us to just sit here. God saves us so that we can serve him and so that we can call others to him. So in essence, we are called, every one of us called to lead a group of oppressed people, oppressed by sin, out of that and into freedom in Christ. So we all have this this, this call, And, and, and in Jeremiah, See, Jeremiah, we talked about with the kids where he was worried because he was a child. He said, man, I I don't know if I can do this yet. Here's what he says to Jeremiah later on in Jeremiah chapter 29. He says, I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration and promise. It's plans for your well-being. It's plans not for your disaster to give you a future and a hope. You may be sitting there this morning thinking, yeah, I know God has a plan for me, but the plan he's been working lately just doesn't seem very good. It doesn't seem very future-filled. It doesn't seem very hope-filled. In those moments, it's important to trust God, that we don't see everything the way he does. We don't get to see off in the distance the way he does. Moses is standing there, and the only thing he can look at is this burning bush and hearing the voice of God. Now the question is, will he have the heart to obey? And there are no, understand this too, there are no throwaways with God. Isn't that awesome? There are no throwaways with God. There are no bench warmers with God. God has a plan for each one of us, and it's individualized, just like our fingerprint. And that plan is threefold. God has a plan for each one of us, and it's threefold. What he wants to do for you, what he wants to do for us is he wants to redeem us by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. What he wants to do in us is he wants to work in us and pull us towards holiness and pull us towards his design for our lives to change us from the inside out. And then also what he wants to do through us is he wants to glorify himself Through the way we live our lives he wants to glorify himself through the words of our mouth through the through the word of our testimony through all of those things he wants to bring glory to him and most people in here if we're honest we're saying hey i'm great with what he wants to do for me thank god that salvation is available we're even okay with the fact that he wants to do things in us that he wants to grow us that he wants to teach us that he wants to be with us every step of the way where we get a hard no at is what he wants to do through us because when we surrender, say, okay, God, I give you my life. Here's what I want you to do with it. or, or we, It's what we normally do is we say, God, I give you my life, so here's what I want you to do with it. See, most of us, we want to serve the Lord, but we just want to serve on his advisory committee, don't we? See, in every time God speaks and we lack the faith to step into what he says, we're dealing with human insecurity. Insecurity is that basically it's that awareness of the gap between who I want to be and who I am. We all know what that feels like because we all have insecurities. Every single one of us have that, right? I took just a minute ago to talk with the kids about the insecurity that Jeremiah had because he was young and because he thought he couldn't do this. He He noticed this gap between who he wanted to be or who he thought he needed to be and who he actually was. See, but God doesn't deal in the realm of insecurity because he already knows what's going to happen. So when God calls us, we don't have to be be concerned with the insecurities that we have. But here's what we know about insecurity, right? Modern life makes insecurity just so much more astronomically real, doesn't it? There's a very real phenomenon taking place with social media where scrolling through Facebook and through, and through TikTok and through Instagram and Twitter all the time leads us to depression and to anxiety and to feeling like we don't measure up with those people who have all those filtered photos out there showing you the life that you think you should have that they don't even have, really. But they've airbrushed everything, and they've taken 10,000 different shots to get that one perfect angle that makes them look good. And what that leads to us is feeling like, man, there is such a gap between my life and the life of these people over here. We can do that in the church too. Look at people and think, man, I, I wish I was like so-and-so. They seem like they got it all together. They come into church, their kids ain't hitting each other. They seem like they woke up just singing worship songs this morning out of, in bed. <laughs> if that happens, could I, could I come over and could you all give me a seminar on how to do that, if that's the way your house runs? We have these insecurities, and we think that means that we're not valuable enough, and we feel like we're not valuable enough to God. Our insecurity, insecurities increase. We compare ourselves to those people, influencers, famous people. They, hit, they set those high, unachievable standards, and it causes us to just pull away and to isolate. Experts tell us there's about five common roots to our insecurities. A, a lack of self-confidence, a lack of trust and faith, a lack of the ability to accept reality, a, a fear from past experiences. Anybody, any, anybody in here like that? I got my hand up. And a fear of failure. Oh, my gosh, the fear of failure. Come on, who wants to fail, right? I was born with a perfectionistic uh, tendency, and uh, it's, it's the only character trait I have in my life. I'm a perfectionist 100%. Because if you're a perfectionist, you've got to be 100% or you're not a perfectionist. <laughs> Here's another truth, though. Insecurity, while it's common, is a poison to the design of God. Our insecurity is a poison to the plans that God has for us. And if our plan, if, our, if the way we find peace and security and the way we find fulfillment and purpose in our life is to know the plan and live the plan, and insecurity becomes that poison that keeps us from knowing the way, why God created us. And what we see here in Moses is he's got this huge insecurity. Back in verse number 10, it says, God says, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh and I'm going to let you get my, my kids out of Egypt. And Moses says this, his insecurity is tied up in these three little words, who am I? It's a question that we always ask, who am I? You may have a little bit of a thing where you ask, you look at other people who you feel like are beneath you and say, well, who are you? Or who do you think you are? It's the same thing from different angles. Who am I? How do I measure up? You've got the wrong person. I'm insecure. So today we, we dive into the main teaching. I've only got two main points this morning that I want to move through. I want to look at three kinds of insecurity that we all have. But then I want to see how God speaks to those insecurities. Because all of our insecurities melt in the presence of the truth of God. All of them do. So this morning, let's let's look at identifying insecurity at Moses's helplessness at Moses's helpless responses. As we move into chapter four, let's let's look over in chapter four. We're going to see three places where Moses reveals insecurity, which is poisoning him and hindering him from stepping into God's plan for his life. Look at verse number one of Exodus chapter four, because what we're going to see here is a pattern insecurity. That we all have. And what we mean by pattern insecurity. We're going to look at that in just a second. But Moses answered God and says. What if they don't believe me? And and, and what if they will not obey me. But they say the Lord did not appear to you. Moses is looking back over his life. And this was his first excuse that he could offer up. He's like look. I have burnt too many bridges in my past. you must not have been around when I killed that guy. You must not have been around when I went on a limb. You must not have taken a look down in Egypt to see all the wanted posters up. I've got some insecurities, and they're real. It's not necessarily insecurity. This is just the way it is, God. I've messed up too much. He says he's not a believable candidate. He pictures himself marching up to Pharaoh, being laughed out of the city, or worse, killed because he's identified as someone who's wanted he also pictures himself trying to convince the Israelites because task one is getting Pharaoh to agree. Task two is getting the Israelites to agree and follow him out. When what some of them may know of Moses is, man, you were adopted into the family. You're not one of us. You're one of them. Why should we trust you? See, Moses has got all of these reasons, and it sounds like a a good reason right on the surface. See, our usual response to pattern insecurity is one of two things. Either we try to overcompensate for what we think we don't have or or we just settle for paralysis i'm just gonna sit because i'm washed up i'm used up there's nothing that i can do for god because i've done too many things too many things in my past that tells us something that we have to understand if that's the way we think we need to take another good look at the gospel and the grace of jesus christ because when jesus died he died to consume our past in grace Moses is dealing with this paralysis. He's like, "Man, my life over there is finished. My life over there is finished." And God is telling Moses, "No, I have a plan for you. My plan all along was for you to redeem and to rescue my people. Now I'm going to put you back on track if you'll let me." You ever been there before where you feel like, "Man, I I would love to do something for God. I would love for God to use me, but I feel like he's not using me or he wouldn't want to use me because of what I've done because I've got this past." Folks, Sometimes the worst past makes the greatest testimony for God's goodness. Other times, the best past makes a great testimony as well. But maybe you haven't had to go on the lamb for killing somebody, but sometimes we feel like our past hinders us. And we have a choice. We can let our past limit our future, or we can live ahead of our past with a future and a hope in Christ. You can live regretting the past, or you can live ahead of your past hoping in Jesus. See, Jesus came, he died, he rose again to drown our past in the sea of forgetfulness. See, there's there's four things that we can do to get past our insecurity. Number one is we repent. Do we all have a past? Yes. Have we all sinned? Yes, every one of us have. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? So the answer to that is to repent. Lord, I notice what I've done and I repent. I turn from it to pay restitution, to be willing to do what's necessary, to make it right, to resolve And be intentional and make a concerted effort that I won't go there again by the grace of God. And then to just receive the forgiveness that we've been given. Too many of us, we go and we claim forgiveness, we repent, we ask for forgiveness, and then we pick up the burden and carry it back with us again. Letting that insecurity just grow in us. So Moses was was just hindered by this pattern of insecurity. He was also hindered by this insecurity of performance. When Moses looked around, he saw some deficiencies in himself that nobody else seemed to have. And he's thinking, there's no way, because of my deficiencies, there's no way that I could be the guy that you want to use. Look at verse number 10. Moses replied to the Lord. He says, Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, either in the past or recently or since you have been speaking to your servant, because my tongue and my mouth are sluggish. See, I've never been eloquent. What we know about Moses is Moses had a speech impediment. Either he stuttered or he was slow. Or something like that made it to where he did not like public speaking. But who does like public speaking, right? Um, So he's like, I can't go marching up to Pharaoh and start stuttering, giving this message, let my people go. I can't go up there. He's just going to laugh me out of the place. He said, you've chosen the wrong guy, right? And he says this. He says, you've chosen the wrong mouthpiece. And then he says, in the past or recently since you've been speaking to me, what he says what he's saying here is God I see you here with a, with a bush and you're burning it and it's not burning up and you're the God who create you're the God of, of Abraham and, and Jacob and Isaac and I've heard all about your amazing wonder yet here we are we've been talking all this time you want me to go and do this and you have if you're able to do all of this you haven't touched my tongue to fix it yet why haven't you done that it makes sense that if you want me to go and do this you' you'd, you'd fix it but he hasn't and so Moses is thinking, look, I, I can't go broken like this. If you're going to use me, you're going to have to do this to fix me. But you see, God's power is more noticed in our weakness, right? So Moses is looking at that thinking, man, if I could just have some strength. If you just give me a little, little touch of strength or a little touch that would make me seem like I'm normal, then God, I'll, I'll be okay. And maybe that describes you right now. You say, I'd love... I'd love to serve God in a greater way, but man, I got all these things that are just against me. And to be quite honest with you, I've been, I've been dealing with them and I've been thinking about them. I'm like, why won't God remove this? Apostle Paul asked God three times to remove a thorn in his flesh. And he finally comes to the conclusion, he says, God left this thorn in my flesh to kind of keep me in the place where I would depend on God. Sometimes the things we look at as deficiencies are gifts from God to keep us close to him. Moses couldn't see that just yet. Or maybe you're you're wondering if God's so good and if God has all the answers and if God has a plan for me, why is his plan so filled with rocks and thistles and thorns and why does it hurt so much to live this plan? Here's what you need to know. Everybody has things that they're insecure about. Every single person in this room has an insecurity. It might be when you look in the mirror and you don't like what looks back at you. It might be that you don't make as much as somebody that's sitting next to you. It might be that you don't feel like you're smart might be that you don't drive the car. We all have our insecurities, every single one of us. And and, and the other thing is that innate capability is really an illusion. Sometimes we look at people and we think, man, they were just born with like a leg up on everything in the world while I wasn't given anything. Are there people with talent? Yeah. Are there people that stand out? Yeah. But it's kind of an illusion to think that somebody's got some secret special sauce that makes them better at following Christ than you are. Because we all have the same opportunity. We all have the same command to follow Christ. He says, just, just follow me. Lay down your cross or pick up your cross and follow me. Lay down yourself and follow me. See, Moses made two mistakes here with God. He thought that his insecurity was unique. He thought, man, and, and, and why not? Because he stutters, right? So he's looking around. He's like, a lot of other people don't stutter. I, uh, my insecurity is unique. And he thought the key to his success would be the ability when in reality all all God wanted was his availability. All God wanted was Moses to say, okay, God was going to take care of the rest. And that leads to Moses' third insecure response, and that's his personal insecurity. Look at verse number 13. Moses says, please, Lord, just send somebody else. Just just send someone else. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing all your promises. I, I, I'm honored to be chosen, but just, just pick somebody else, Please. Moses is like, your plan is perfect. Your choice for the one to execute the plan is flawed. And what he's really telling God is, I'm not available. I'm not available to go. See, Moses' promise here is not that he's outrightly denying God or rebellious to God or anything like that. He respects God. He was afraid to speak when he found out who he was speaking to. He respects God. He wants to please God, but he thinks, I'm going to mess up if I try. And the fear of messing up was greater than the fear of rebelling. We have to be careful of agreeing with God in, like, the concept, but then disagreeing with Him in practice. And that's what a lot of us sometimes are guilty of. We've all been here where we say, God, I just want you to use me, right? We, we get on fire for God, we say, God, I want you to use me. Whatever you want, whatever you do, I give you my life. I surrender it all to you. And then God starts saying, okay, let's start going. He starts laying out the plan. He're like, whoa, I didn't mean go there. Right? You see, we, we all have been there before. Here's where Moses is. Moses has probably spent his whole life thinking, I mean, he, he, his, his stepfather was the priest of Midian. So he's probably thinking, yeah, I want, I want God to use me. I want to serve God. I want to honor God with my life. And God says, okay, here's how you do it. It's like, oh, let's go with another plan. Is there a plan B? Do you have another option on the menu? We've all been there before. And here's how it comes. In John chapter 4, Jesus says that God is seeking worshipers. He's seeking people to worship him. How are we worshiping him? Are we worshiping in spirit and truth? Truly? In Matthew 28, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all people. How are we doing that? That's the plan for each one of us. It's a universal plan. We agree that people should know Christ. We want to see people come to know the Lord. We're praying for Pastor Chris while he's over in Paraguay sharing Christ, but here back home, at work in the cubicle next to us, are we stepping into sharing Christ too? You see, it's one thing to agree in principle, but then it's another thing to agree in practice. So the temptation to respond to these questions with reasons why we personally can't get involved in evangelism or get involved in service is sometimes, well, I'm not educated enough or I don't know enough or I'm not. Moses had all the reasons too. And God had answers to each one of those reasons, too. And that's what we want to look at before we, before we tie up uh, everything. So let's look at how we conquer insecurity. The best way to conquer insecurity, which is basically just built off the lies that Satan wants to tell us, you'll never measure up, you're not good enough, you've got nothing going for you, you've sinned too much, all of those things, the answer to all those insecurities that are based upon the lies are to look at the truth that comes from God's mouth. And this is the way God answers. So let's look at the way God answers each one of Moses' responses. Look back in chapter 3 again. Let's look at verse number 13. When Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? Basically what Moses is saying, uh, if I get there and I march right up to Pharaoh, and they're like, why are you here and what do you do? And you still smell like sheep from being out, in the, being out in the field in the desert. Who are you? And why are you here and who sent you? What should I tell them? Look at verse number 14, what God says. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. He says, say it to the Israelites as well. I am has sent me to you. Did you catch that? Look at what he says. He says, God's response is the total opposite of Moses' insecurity. When Moses says, who am I? God says, I am who I am. Moses is wondering, who am I to do this? God says, you are carrying the authority of God with you wherever you go i am has sent you when we're faced with insecurity we don't need to ask who am i we declare that god is the great i am and look at the power that we've been given in him you want a hard answer to the question of who we are the hard answer to the question is found in scripture we're all sinners we don't measure up to god's standard of perfection we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of god every one of us that's the answer See, this is why Pastor Chris asked me to preach today. I'm so affirming, and I'm so just—I just, I'm just really positive about things, right? You come to church, and it's like, oh man, you're a dirty rotten sinner, right? <laughs> but here's the beautiful truth about it: we don't measure up. We're not good enough. We aren't able to overcome our past on our own, and that's okay. That's the way God intended it to be. Because in God's economy, I don't have to be anything other than born by the blood of Jesus Christ bought by his blood in god's economy you don't have to be anything other than his child and when we're his he becomes our everything and he becomes more than enough and he closes the gap between what we think we should be and who we are because we then surrender who we think we should be to who god knows we are and created us to be This conversation that God has with Moses, he says three things with I am. He says, I am, so why don't you go and show them my power? So to his pattern insecurity, God says, I am, show them my power that overcomes all of those insecurity. In verses 2 through 4, we see that God tells Moses how to throw uh, his shepherd's rod down on the ground and it turns into a snake. When Moses is worried, how are they going to believe me? I'm going to have to go in there and put on a good show. And he says, okay, fine. That rod you've got, throw it down. It's going to turn into a snake. And he says, he picks it back up, and it turns back into a a rod. And then later on in that same passage in verses 5 through 8, God tells Moses, okay, you're still doubting my power. Reach your hand inside your your cloak and pull it out. And he pulls it out, and his hand is consumed with leprosy. he says, okay, put your hand back in, and he pulls it out, and it's as clean as it was before it went in. God is showing Moses, look, I have the power. If it's not enough that you see me talking to you from a fiery bush, I have the power to carry you through this. See, we might expect that God would say, okay, you're right, let me find somebody else. Maybe I I should go with somebody else. In verse number 9, he says, I'm also going to give you the ability that when you get to Egypt, you can take some water out of the Nile and pour it out and it's going to turn to blood. I'm going to give you that ability so people will listen to you because you carry the authority of God with you. So the question I have this morning is what's your story and where has God brought you from? What is the story that you have with God? See, Moses is now going to have this big story to tell. Man, look, this is the God who sent me. He's the one who can turn this rod into a snake. He can can turn my hand into a leper's hand and then clean it up again. He can turn this water into blood. You Pharaoh, you think that you're so powerful, but you're nothing compared to the power of Almighty God. And it wasn't Moses' power. It's God's. But then he says, I'm the Lord, and I made you perfect for the job. I'm the Lord. I made you perfect for the job. And we see that in verse number 11. So you remember when Moses tried to tell God that he got the wrong guy because he he, he had a speech problem? Look at the way God responds to that in verse number 11. The Lord said to him, who placed the mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? So you might expect the story to read. God says, you know what, Moses, you're right. Let me just fix that right up for you. Let me help you talk better. Uh, Let me give you a more convincing voice. So I'm going to send you over. You're going to sound like James Earl Jones when you go up there, Pharaoh, from now on. Then he'll really listen to you. He doesn't say, but Moses, you're so good, you're so smart, you're so good-looking, you smell sort of good. He doesn't try to overlap all of Moses' inefficiencies with other things. No, what does God say? God says, look, Moses, you act like I don't know this. You act like I didn't have this planned out already. You act like you aren't already perfectly designed by me for what I've called you to do. He says, who made you, Moses? Moses. Didn't I do that? Don't you think that I knew when I made you that I also knew we'd be having this conversation? And don't you think that I knew when I made you that I knew what I was going to call you to do? See, God's response is simple. I made you this way on purpose. So sometimes the very things that we think, God, you've let me down on are things that God has specifically designed us with because he has a plan. If only we could know at our burning bush moment, what God was going to do would probably make it easier to follow, right? See, if Moses had known at the burning bush that he was going to be able to, you know, that God was going to use the ten plagues, and if he could only know what God was at the at the burning bush, that God was going to use him to part the waters, and if he could have only known at the burning bush that he was going to be able to lead the children of Israel out and Pharaoh would be conquered, he probably would have said, all right, let's get going, if he could have only known. But you see, that's the part of faith, right? Faith is trusting God even when we don't see the outcome or know the outcome so look at what verse number 12 says god says now go and i will help you speak and i will teach you what to say god says look man i know you're gonna i know i know you think you're gonna stutter but if i'm gonna be with you and if i'm in this bush and it's not burning up don't you think that i'll be able to handle it when you get there to pharaoh i'm gonna give you what to say i'm gonna help you say it And when you speak and become my mouthpiece, they're going to know it's not your voice, it's mine. It's the same thing that Jesus told the disciples when he gave them the command to preach the gospel. He said, go into a town, if they don't listen to you, dust dust your feet off. And he says, don't worry when you stand before kings, when you stand before rulers, what to say, because in that moment I will give you what you need to say. See, what God was telling Moses don't worry about your tongue because I'm going to be in your mouth. And then the last thing is, we get ready to close out this morning, I'm the Lord and I'm going to make a way for you. Not only is it, I've got a story for you to tell, not only does he say, I've made you perfectly for what I've called you to do, but he says, I will make a way for you in it. Look at verse number 14 of chapter 4. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and also he's on the way now to meet you, so he'll rejoice when he sees you. How did God know that Aaron was Moses' brother? Hmm, I wonder. Oh, because he's God. God put people around Moses to help him, but the people around him were secondary to what God was going to do. You see, God put Aaron there just to show, hey, I'm not leaving you alone. This is the evidence that I'll be with him. You see your brother, you're going to immediately think, oh, man, this was the promise that God showed me. Exodus number f- number 15 look at look at what it says you will speak with him and tell him what to say and I'm going to help both of you and I'll te- help him to speak and teach you both what to do. He says look if you need help I'll send it and I'll teach both of you what to do. Look back at chapter 3 as we get ready to close out. And we're going to see why we can always count on God to make a way for us. Look at verse number 12 of chapter 3. God answered to Moses as Moses this is right after Moses says who am I to go? God says, I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you all will worship me, God, at this mountain. He says, I'm going to certainly be with you. This is the promise. This is why insecurity melts in the presence of God. And this is why we don't have to walk around in insecurity. Because if you're God's child, you're always in the presence of God, and insecurity melts in the presence of an almighty God. Whatever excuses we're trying to throw at God to say, man, that can't happen anymore, I can't do that, we can't see this happen, they don't want to hear the gospel anymore. All of those things melt in the presence of the truth of God. So as we close out this morning and as the worship team comes and we get ready to close out this service, I want to ask you a couple of questions. We bow our heads. We close our eyes is God with you that's a question that we all have to answer is God with you are you with him you see it's a very hard question to answer sometimes but it's easy to find the answer we find it in Jesus the Bible says that when we come to know Christ we are baptized into him we are in him and he is in us question this morning is do you know christ as your savior have you trusted jesus as your savior are you in a relationship with him daily if not today's the day man come and come and talk to myself or to brother carrie that's going to be up here in just a moment and talk to talk to us about man i just need to have a relationship with christ what excuses if you know christ what excuses are you offering him today to hold out on god are you in his will? Are you, are you afraid of maybe what God is moving on you and you're saying, man, I just can't step out and that. That's just requiring a little bit too much faith. The beautiful thing about faith is when we lack it, God can give it in abundant supply if we open ourselves to it. And the other question is, are you struggling with God because you think that he somehow messed up? Or he hasn't filled the gap the way that he should? Maybe you're wondering, man, I don't know what's going on. Moses was going to need this because God was going to use him to lead people for 40 years through a desert, wondering, when are we going to finally show up to this place that we've been promised? Sometimes God puts us on wandering seasons so that we can give our faith to him. See, we're all in different phases and different stages, so where are you at today? If you need to pray for anything specifically, I invite you to come today, and you might be sitting here wondering, who am I, just like Moses? We give you the answer God is. You are everything. You are not anything that God is, but God will be your supply. God will fill that gap. You find everything Heavenly Father, pray this morning.
0: Thank you for listening today. At Grace Way, our strongest desire is to glorify Christ by telling everyone about His grace. If you have questions or are in need of spiritual help, Please reach out to us by visiting www.gracewaylex.org and click on the Contact Us section. Or you can email us at gracewaylex at gmail.com. Our worship services are held each Sunday at 1030 a.m. We'd love to worship with you this week. Until next time, take care and walk in the way of grace.